Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 41. First of all, for all the American listeners, and uh, there are a lot of you, you make up around 40% of the listenership of this podcast, uh, I want to wish you all a very happy 4th of July. Hope you have an amazing day. And second, as I mentioned in last week's Q&A as well, uh, I want to ask anybody listening to the podcast that has suggestions for how to improve it to send these in. If there's something that you feel is missing and that you'd like to see added to the podcast or anything that could be improved, anything that you don't care about that uh, could be removed from the podcast, any feedback that you have is welcome and please send it by email to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and that's michael with a K. And third and finally, please follow us on Instagram. We have a new Instagram account and uh, are trying to be quite active there with good quality content. You can also DM your questions for upcoming Q&A episodes right there. And our handle is at scientifictriathlonhq. Before we get into this episode's questions, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, Still some time left to send in the questions for that hydration Q&A that is coming up. We are recording with Andy in uh, just a little bit more, less than a week actually, on the 9th of July. So uh, so this is one of the final, uh, final calls to action to send in those questions. Any questions that you may have around hydration, uh, feel free to make it very selfish and personal for your own uh, races or training or whatever it may be. Send them to my email, michaelscientifictriathlon.com, and we'll try to tackle them in that Q&A. And of course, I have to mention that Precision Hydration do make great electrolyte products, very tasty electrolyte products, I should add. And you can try your first box or tube of electrolytes for free with the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps. And big thank you to Roka, the brand that redefines the standard in wetsuit, trisuits, eyewear, and several other, other triathlon and endurance sports categories. I personally use and love products like the Maverick X wetsuit, the Gen 2 Elite Aero trisuit, and their Simpro 2 buoyancy shorts, R1 goggles, SL1 sunglasses, and Aviator sunglasses. Whatever you are shopping for, you can get 20% off your entire order on roca.com using the promo code TTS, all caps. All right, the first question for today is from uh, Leticia, and I don't know where Leticia is from, actually, I don't think. Uh, either way, she writes, Hi, Michael, I just discovered your podcast and I love it. have been binge, lis- binge listening to past episodes. Uh, I would like to ask your opinion on my current headache. Uh, I got a stress reaction on my metatarsals after trying to change my running form to a four-foot strike. I had plantar fasciitis last year, and since then I have been reading too much on the internet on running form. I've been running for 10 years and never had a serious injury before. Uh, I'm a swimmer since childhood with uh, some open water marathons up to eight kilometers as a master swimmer uh, before I fell in love with running. Now, after three months not running to heal my foot from the stress fracture, I'm afraid uh, to get back to training and get injured again. I guess my aerobic fitness is okay since I have been swimming every day around 25 kilometers per week. I also continued with my classical Pilates twice per week. I'm pain-free since week two or three, and I guess that means two or three after after, uh, having the injury. But it was pretty hard to obey the doctor and wait the three months he asked for to start running. Can you help me? 
All right, thanks for your question, Leticia. Uh, just as a quick note, as I mentioned before, I really want more women to write in questions, so I appreciate you doing so, because it is uh, quite male-dominated at the moment. That's not by design, that's not something that I want, but that's just the way it is. So for all female listeners, I know you are out there, don't be shy, don't be discouraged by hearing mostly male listener questions being read out. It's definitely not because I select them. On the contrary, I try to always push the, the female questions to the front of the queue it's just because i don't get that many questions from you gals anyway to your question leticia i think that uh, first of all the doctor's uh, prescription of waiting three months that in my experience isn't necessarily the best advice many stress fractures heal quite a lot quicker than that in perhaps six weeks or so uh, but maybe your doctor really knew that in this particular case it was really going to take two to three months to heal uh, but it might be that he was overly cautious. Either way, as you return to running, you have lost sort of that resilience to the impact. So uh, whether you have waited longer than necessary or not, the the way to progress back into running is the same. The advice is the same. And that is that you need to be very careful these first three to four weeks. Only run every other day, no more than that. And that the first two weeks at least, but at least two weeks, uh, I recommend run walks only. So for example, you can start out by running for two minutes and then walking for one minute. And then after a few workouts like that, you increase to three minutes to one minute and then four minutes to one minute. The total duration of each run or each run walk should start at 10 or 15 minutes. And then you should hold that duration for at least two workouts before increasing in five minute increments and stay at that new duration for at least two more workouts. So your first six workouts, your first six run walks might be 15, 15, 20, 20, 25 and 25 minutes long. That will be spread out over 12 days at least since you are running no more than every other day and that they will be run walks perhaps the first three of those workouts will be two minutes of running one minute of walking and then three minutes of running one minute of walking the following three and if everything goes well you might stop the run walks at that point or after week two but keep running only every other day and keep increasing in five minute increments only uh, the following two weeks as well and also no intensity those first uh, three or four weeks after coming back from a stress fracture in particular so it's not necessarily that you this is not for the listeners listening this is a good pattern for returning to returning from any injury but some injuries require a little bit more caution than others and a stress fracture is definitely one of those that requires a little bit more more caution so for example especially with things like with adding the intensity uh, and and also with the duration of the workouts you need to be quite careful with when it comes to those stress fractures to to make sure that you don't have a, a recurrence of of the injury so uh, I hope that uh, that helps. Thank you for your question, Leticia, and good luck with your return to running. The next question is from Juan from uh, Costa Rica, who writes, uh, for amateur athletes, is there any contraindication for doing morning sessions, uh, for doing two consecutive morning sessions? So doing the night session and the morning session in one consecutive uh, uh, session in the morning for example if uh, you are used to swimming in the morning and running in the afternoon uh, can we do everything together in the morning and have the rest of the day free for work 
does this have the same benefits as doing two sessions separately, one in the morning and one in the evening? Uh, thank you, Juan, for your question. I would say that in general, the most important thing is to get the training done no matter when you do it. So yes, you will benefit a lot from doing two sessions per day, even if they are in one longer session in the morning. And, uh, and that's going to be give you a lot of the benefits of doing two sessions, a lot of the same benefits as doing two separate sessions, one in the morning and one in the afternoon or evening. There are some slight nuances to this and there are ways that you, uh, things that you should consider to make the most out of your longer morning session if you do it like this. So uh, if you have, for example, a hard workout scheduled, like an intro workout, you will need to figure out what the best order of those two morning workouts is. For example, if the other workout that you have is just a short, easy workout, it might not really matter, or it might even be better to do the intro workout as a second warm-up after you warmed up. Uh, for example, let's say you have an easy, short bike ride, and you have an intro run. Then perhaps it might make sense to do the easy, short bike ride first, and then do your uh, your running intervals, because you will already be warmed up. Uh, and, and vice versa, if you have a hard bike and a, an easy, short run. Uh, however, if the other workout of the day is uh, relatively long or demanding in some way, then definitely do that the most important workout, that intro workout first to get it done with the most amount of quality when you are still uh, fairly fresh and, and not fatigued. Uh, now, if you have two hard workouts scheduled, that's when doing them both consecutively really may become an issue as the second hard workout is probably going to suffer in quality because of that first one and you're not going to be fresh and you're going to be fatigued so i would really avoid that situation and try to have at most one of those two morning workouts be hard if you are doing them both in the morning uh, so this is uh, as opposed to if you have if you are training in the morning and the evening then then you could definitely have two hard workouts on the same day as you have time to recover between them but that's not the case in your scenario also, another thing to keep in mind is that you, you'll really want to consider your hydration and fueling before, during, and between workouts if you do the workouts uh, consecutively in the morning so that you get the intended purpose of each workout accomplished. So, uh, for example, don't let a lack of, of energy intake uh, cause the quality of any of the workouts to suffer. Make sure that you get in the energy required and the hydration required to to get the quality that you have that you have planned and that you need to get from those workouts this is something else that you need to consider uh, and uh, and after those two consecutive workouts that one long workout as it as it is rehydrating and refueling becomes very important as well so bear that in mind and otherwise you what you may what may end up happening is that you start to dig yourself into a hole so so that's super important and finally, you might need to do some additional mobility work between workouts to make sure that you get the quality you need from your workouts. So for example, let's say you first do a bike ride and then go to swim. Uh, I would say that mobilization before swimming is uh, essential regardless to get the most amount of quality from your swimming. But uh, even more so if you have just done a bike workout, even if it's just an easy workout, 
especially if you've been in the aero position, but it really doesn't matter. Either way, you will get your, your hip flexors will start to tighten up a little bit. So, so I would definitely consider that mobilization between workouts uh, as something important to consider as well. But if you get these things right, you avoid having those both of those workouts be hard workouts unless it's a brick of course uh, then in certain cases it makes sense to have a hard brick with a hard biking and hard running and you make sure that you get your hydration and fueling right and uh, and also consider that mobility aspect then for pretty much all intents and purposes you do get the same benefits as doing the workout separately however if you have if you are in a position to choose then i would say that in most cases i would still choose to do them do the workout separately one in the morning one in the evening the difference though isn't that massive so uh, if that's not possible then by all means go for two consecutive workouts in the morning thanks for your question juan and hope that this helps the final question for today is from Nuno here in Portugal, uh, actually past guest of the show as well, episode 25, I believe. Uh, he asks, uh, is it worth for a self-coached triathlete to A, learn how to flip turn, B, use other strokes in his her training uh, other than front crawl? And uh, question two is, what is your take on bilateral breathing? All right. Thank you for your question, Nuno. Let's start with flip turns. I would say it, it doesn't hurt and it's usually something that can be learned in uh, at least not not a perfect flip turn by any means but a, like a half decent flip turn that that you can get by with it can be learned in a few 10 minute practice sessions so so it's not a huge time investment to do that uh, at the same time i don't think it should be or needs to be a main focus what i have done is quite often with athletes that have indicated an interest in learning how to flip turn uh, i've quite often scheduled five to ten minutes of flip turn practice at the end of a couple of swims per week and uh, and in a few weeks time in a couple of weeks time even they can do the flip turn quite well and end up starting to do it all the time in training and of course as you do it all the time in training that's you're also practicing it all the time so i think it gives a small additional benefit of allowing you to better practice your streamline and the body posture every single turn which is important and also it gives the benefit that it reduces those mini recoveries that you might get when you're not doing the flip turns that you wouldn't get in the open water of course, you get a form of recovery with the flip turn as well because you're not taking any strokes. But at the same time, you're more hypoxic than you would be when you're uh, just uh, just swimming into the wall and then uh, and then pushing off. So, uh, so I would say that it's less of a recovery compared to the alternative, which is a more a closer simulation of open water swimming, I guess. But it is a small detail. It's not a detail that I would consider anywhere near the top of the hierarchy in what we're focusing on. However, considering how easy it really is to learn, it might not be the worst thing in the world to, to try to schedule a few five to 10 minute flip turn practices at the end of some of your swims to, to get that ingrained. The next question, the use of other strokes in training other than front crawl. This is an interesting one. I know some coaches use this. My personal take is that it doesn't hurt if you're a really good swimmer and you have a swimming background in particular, so you know those other strokes. Uh, then it can be even potentially beneficial to uh, to get uh, rid of some of the monotony of always doing the same sort of 
swimming at the same time we we don't really care about that in in running or in cycling i guess in cycling in in some cases we we switch between the the aero position and the sitting up position and that sort of thing which you could see as a way to reduce monotony but in running we always run in the same way essentially so 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 we don't really consider that a, a problem there and swimming it should be less of a problem so so i don't think that it's uh it's a necessity even for those very high level swimmers for most age groupers and and that's the way your question is phrased is it worth to learn the other strokes my answer is no it's not worth learning the other strokes focus that time and attention on learning better front crawl because really uh, uh, you would wouldn't get any benefit even if you learn those other strokes I would still say that it's for for anybody except some rare exceptions on the professional side of things with a swimming background. I, I don't think that it's worth using other strokes than, than front crawl in, in training, not really. Oh, I, I should add that uh, there, there is one exception to this, and it's in the warm downs or between hard sets. Uh, I do like to prescribe mixed strokes. So if somebody wants to swim some backstroke or breaststroke, in between hard sets or in their last 100 or 200 meters of workout i'm totally fine with that uh, sometimes i skip the the warm down completely those because i don't think that the warm down is an essential element of training either uh, however yeah I'm, I'm not saying that i'm completely opposed to other strokes but it, it's it's not worth learning other strokes that's i guess the the take-home message finally my take on bilateral breathing i think it's absolutely essential it should be a part of any swimmer's arsenal my recommendation is to use bilateral breathing pretty much all the time when the intensity is not very high. So so the majority of your swimming, which should be endurance-based swimming, that will be with a bilateral breathing pattern. Just because that's a great way to make sure your stroke is as symmetric as possible and you... And even if it is already symmetrical, just to make sure that it stays symmetrical and that you don't develop any uh, asymmetries by just breathing to to one side. Uh, so uh, so that's that's my take on it on the other hand hard main sets i think should be done in a way that maximize your performance and this for the vast majority of athletes would be breathing every two strokes and the same is true for racing but uh, when you are used to doing bilateral breathing it means that you can choose in races and in training to breathe every two strokes either to the right or to the left, depending on what makes sense to do based on your position in the field and how the course is laid out. So you can even switch between the two. And this is actually something that uh, I remember we talked about, uh, Nuno, when uh, last time we talked about triathlon and swimming. Uh, either way, so, so in those hard main sets when breathing every two strokes, I also do recommend switching it up and sometimes breathing to your less comfortable side. I'm personally notoriously lazy with this and do most of my main sets breathing to the right uh, or the the majority of my main sets breathing to the right even though I'm super comfortable with bilateral breathing and relatively comfortable with uh, breathing only to my left. Uh, I am uh, trying to do at least uh, a little bit of left-sided breathing every single main sets. So, so I'm taking my own advice here. For example, I'm in taper week right now as I record this and I did a taper workout which was four times 300 meters at Olympic distance race intensity and uh, I did three of those 300s breathing to my right and one 300 breathing to the left so and not uh, an even distribution but I'm still doing a little bit of both. So uh, thank you Nuno for the questions. Hope that helps and hope that helps other listeners as well. That's it for this week's Q&A. 
uh, I want to remind you all to subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already. And if you have been listening for a while, please, 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 could you take a moment to rate and review it? It really is the best way to help, uh, aside from, of course, telling your friends and telling everybody you know about the podcast that might be interested in it. It's the next best way to make sure that the podcast keeps growing, which will allow me to keep keep doing the podcast for the long haul. And uh, I want to give a shout out here to uh, somebody who has uh, given a rating and review. And this one is from Sweden and it says company in training and travel five stars. This is one of the best no-nonsense podcasts out there, in-depth training knowledge and uh, a great resource to develop my knowledge in endurance sports. Always keep me company in my training and on travels. Thanks for doing the show. It's so much appreciated. Uh, from Magnus Norman, former number two tennis player in the world. Uh, so yeah, I actually remember you, Magnus. I used to, to follow tennis uh, when I was a kid and, and I remember looking at the world rankings and seeing your, your name there. So uh, it's uh, great that you're a listener of the show, really. And thank you for the, for the review. One more house cleaning item, as I mentioned on, uh, on a couple of past Q&As, or at least one. Anybody who is going to the 70.3 World Championships in Nice and that might be interested in a meetup in Nice, uh, probably before the race, like in the week leading up to the race, let me know, send me an email and uh, we can organize something. It would be quite cool to have a that triathlon show meetup over there. Big thanks finally to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Take their free online sweat test to get your individual hydration strategy and use the promo code DATTRAFLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, to get your first box for free. And big thanks to Roka. You can find wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, and high-performance eyewear, and lots of other stuff in the endurance and triathlon uh, industry on their website. They ship from Europe and from the United States. They have a direct-to-consumer model, so no unnecessary markups. And on top of that, you can get 20% off your entire order with the promo code TTS, all caps. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.